Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thank you, church. This is exciting because this is the first opportunity I've had to to teach this this congregation that I've come to love so deeply. Let's listen to that that last song that we just sang. There's nothing that our God can't do. Tonight, we're going to scratch the surface, just barely scratch the surface of why that's true. Um, I want to pray again, so pray with me. Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you tonight. I open my heart, I open my mind. Um, Most importantly, Lord, I'm opening my mouth and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will work through me in spite of my flaws. Uh, Keep my pride out of the way and minister to the people, to the disciples who are here to learn and come to know and love Jesus more deeply. Amen. How many of you, like me, have questioned God? When we look at our lives, we go through a lot of trials and tribulations, and yours may be a mountain of debt that you don't see a way out of. It may be a marriage that's broken. Uh, For me, I've got a lot of questions for God. I have prayerfully been led to run for city council twice. I lost twice. At work, I've prayerfully sought after promotions that haven't come through. And so we all have these things that we go through in life. Um, For you, you may be disappointed in a lot of different aspects. Uh, let's just take elections, for example, since I talked about mine. If you're happy with the outcome of this past election, you're probably not happy with the, pre- the previous election, right? So it's often difficult to see the hand of God at work when we're going through the trials Oftentimes, it's well past the trial is over when we can finally begin to see the hand of God. The overarching theme of tonight that I hope to share with you is that God is sovereign. That's why there's nothing that our God can do. So what is sovereignty? Dictionary.com says that sovereignty is the quality or state of being sovereign or having supreme power and authority. The status, dominion, power, or authority of a sovereign, royal rank or position. In chapter 12, we find Herod Agrippa, grandson of Herod the Great. We've talked about him in previous chapters. Again, he's persecuting the church, coming after the church really hard. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Read with me uh, on the screen or from your own Bibles. Verse 1, 
About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it displeased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Skip down to verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was for him was made to God by the church. Here we see the first lesson of tonight. God is sovereign over death. I find it fascinating, church, that the death of James gets no more attention here than a few words. James wasn't just one of the 12 apostles. He was one of the three. He was that core team of three. James, his brother John, and Peter were the ones that Jesus would often commune with separately from the others. He was that core group. He was beloved by Jesus. And his death gets no more than a sentence in Scripture. That's fascinating, to me at least. James and John were so close to Jesus, as you may remember, in Mark 10, verses 35 through 40, uh, James and John, who are you know, afraid to ask for themselves, they ask their mother to go to Jesus and ask if they can sit at his right hand and his left hand when he uh, comes into his glory. And you may remember Jesus' questions to them. Are you sure you can drink the cup that I'm about to drink from and be baptized in the way that I'm about to be baptized? And of course, you know, these are the sons of thunder. They're bold men. Yes, we can. And Jesus said, you surely will. Here we are sometime later, and what Jesus has foretold is coming true for James. Do you think Jesus loved Peter more than he loved James? Because you're going to see that Peter's still alive at the end of this chapter, and James is taken at the very beginning of this chapter. Let me ask you another question. Do you think Jesus loved Peter more than your lost baby? Father, husband, best friend? When we lose someone that's really close to us, it's devastating, and it's happened to all of us. We often question why God would take such a loving person, someone like James or your best friend who loved the Lord so much. Why take them so early? Let me give you a different perspective on death. James was the first martyr amongst the disciples. James was the first one to get to see Jesus in heaven in his full glory. Praise God, James was the first one to get to go to heaven in his new glorified body. When you are a disciple of Jesus, when your heart is dedicated and you commune with Jesus, you're a loved one of Jesus Christ, you don't have to fear death anymore. This is so 
wonderful for us, church, because death is terribly fearful if you don't know Jesus. But praise God, he loves us and he wants us in his arms. So when we finish our testimony, when we finish what we're called to do here on earth, then we get to be called to heaven. Let's continue reading. We're not done with the chapter yet. In verse six, now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between the two soldiers bound with two chains and centuries before the doors were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading the city and it opened before them on its own accord. And they went out. They went along one street and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and all that the Jewish people were expecting. I imagine this as like a really awesome action scene in a, in a movie. So uh, Peter's arrested. He's put into prison. And I'm sure Herod is just itching to kill Peter too because he is really wanting to, to please the Jews and keep the Jews happy. We've got soldiers, four sets of four soldiers, two chained to him, two at the guards. Herod knows that just a little while earlier, Peter was arrested by the Jewish leaders and got out of jail. He doesn't want that to happen again, so he's doubling up the guard. And death is certain the next day, and the, the tension and the drama must be staggering. What does Peter do? He falls asleep. I don't know about you, but I, I wouldn't be sleeping in that situation. Um, I might be shaking and wetting myself. But Peter falls asleep. So how can Peter be so peaceful in this moment? Oh, you might know that Peter falls asleep a lot. Uh, Peter's known for falling asleep. Uh, he fell asleep on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was the first to fall asleep there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, Geth I always say that wrong. Gethsemane. He is the first to fall asleep there. Peter falls asleep everywhere. Uh, sleeping is not a problem for this guy. But tonight, locked and chained to those prison guards, those centurions, Peter remembers a conversation that he had with Jesus. In John 21, we read about this conversation. Peter's asked three times, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. I love you. And then verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter remembered that conversation that night. He completely trusted in what the Lord had to say. Had full faith and confidence that what Jesus said, that I'm going to grow old. Herod has no power over me tonight because Jesus said, I'm going to grow old. In Revelation 11, we read of the story of the two witnesses. In verse 7, it states, When they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. Praise God, church. Just like those watchers, we have a testimony. We have a calling to fulfill. And I truly believe we are, as followers of Christ, invincible until we have finished the calling that Jesus Christ has set for us. We don't know. We don't know the number of our days, but we do know. We can have faith and confidence that we will finish our testimony because God is sovereign over life and death. Let's continue reading. Verse 20. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended upon the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes. He took seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Lesson number three tonight, church, is that God is sovereign over governments. You may recall from the book of Daniel the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar defeated the Jewish people twice. He destroyed the temple of Solomon. He grew in pride, and God humbled him. God made him go mad. He had to eat out in the fields with the animals. And when his heart was humbled, God restored him. Now, Herod had a different outcome. Herod's pride did not humble. And historians record that the robe he wore was shimmering like the sun itself. The people were eager to keep him happy, shouting the voice of a God, not of a man. And the historian the Jewish historian Josephus records more details about his death. He collapsed that right there in front of them and over the next five days writhed in agony as tapeworms consumed his body from the inside out and then he died. Both 
King Nebuchadnezzar and both Herod Agrippa were servants of God. In Daniel, the scriptures call him a servant of God. God uses evil leaders for his will. The purposes, the motives, the motivations of those leaders is irrelevant. So church, it doesn't matter who our president is. It doesn't matter who the governor is. It doesn't matter how your boss treats you at work. God is still sovereign. In Romans 13.1, it says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. In 13.6, it reread, the authorities are ministers of God. There's no caveats there. The good ones, the bad ones, the ones that wear a, a donkey on their lapel and ones that wear an elephant, it doesn't matter. God is still sovereign. And that should give us peace. You may lose your job. You may be treated horribly. You may be removed from a board of directorship that you have, were appointed to. And it doesn't matter. You should not hold a grudge. You should not get angry. You should rejoice because willingly or not, the leaders are fulfilling the will of God. And God may be telling you, there's a new chapter for your life about to begin. So don't worry. We can rest in peace knowing that God is in control. So, God is sovereign over governments. God is sovereign over life. God is sovereign over death. What role does the church play in all this? Let's go to verse five again. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. That's our example. That's our example. We, when one of us loses a job, when one of us is diagnosed with cancer, one of us breaks a leg, finish that with an earnest prayer for him, for her, was, to, for, was given to God for them. That's our example. We participate in, with God in a lot of different ways. Why pray if God is sovereign? We, we participate with our obedience. We're called, when he calls us to serve in the church or to missions, to plant a new church. We participate financially by giving. God, and I don't understand why or how, but God likes to work his will for his people through his people. He uses his creation to shape and mold his creation. If you, if you go back to the jail cell, God worked the miracle 
the angel worked the practical. Get up, put on your sandals, put on your cloak. God calls us to, into action to do his will. But let's talk about the prayer. God loves to use prayer and listen to our prayers. Because we have to think, God is not bound by time. Church, God knows who's going to pray and who has prayed. So our prayers that we lift up, he has heard. The prayers that you're going to lift up tomorrow, he has heard yesterday. And he is moved. The, the Bible is full of examples of God being moved and changing his plans in accordance to the prayers that he received. So that's what we have to do, church. We can't just type, I'm praying for you when somebody lifts up the prayer requests on social media. If you say, I'm praying, and you don't pray, that's a lie. That's a sin. Repent for that. But lift up those prayer requests. When you know somebody's hurting in the church, lift them up in prayer. If you have, the thing that's changed my life the most in prayer is using prayer for the mundane. If I get an email and my response is to come back at them hard, I have learned to stop and pray about that response. And it's changed my whole world because I don't lash out anymore. On social media, woo, we can get hot on social media, can't we? I don't. I don't do that anymore because I've learned to pray first. So tonight, church, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Do you trust in the sovereignty of God? Do you really believe that he's, he's sovereign over life and death and he's sovereign over the government? He's sovereign over your boss and where you work. He's sovereign over your family. If you really believe that tonight, church, then rejoice. Lift up your needs, but don't just use God as an Amazon wish list. It's not about asking for everything that we want. The purpose of prayer is to come closer and draw closer to the Father and build that relationship. Our Father happens to be a generous Father, and He wants to pour His blessings upon you, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is the relationship. So lift up your voice tonight, church, and just ask God for a deeper, closer relationship. If you've got an injury, if you've got a loved one who's hurting, if you know somebody in the church who needs financial care, help, if you know somebody who is looking for a home, maybe they've lost their home, they've lost their job, and things are looking dire. If you know somebody, maybe it's you, whose marriage is hurting, lift that prayer up tonight. And we've got some prayer leaders. Um, Mike and Diane, would you raise your hand? Chris, would you raise your hand? Russell, if you need extra prayer tonight, one-on-one, -on -one, go to those folks. But right now, let's pray. And before we pray, don't be like the disciples in the upper room when Peter went and knocked on the gate. We didn't read that passage, but they were praying for Peter to be released. And then they were shocked when their prayers were answered. Expect God to answer your prayers. The answer may be no, 
I was led to run for office twice and I lost twice. The answer is not always no, but our expectation is to pray. So pray with me tonight. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.